This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover on AM 1170, The Answer. Educate for Life, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you. What you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now, in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego every Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. And, uh... You know, in the news lately, something that's very interesting is um, there's all kinds of scientific advancements being made right now regarding genetics. And it's a very significant issue because, uh, uh, amazingly, we're, we're actually actually able to get a better grip on the history of man, our origins, as we study genetics. And this is a personal interest to me. My, my daughter has cystic fibrosis, so I've looked into genetics uh, quite a bit. And... Uh, trying to get a better understanding of that. But it has a lot to do with uh, the, the big debate over creation or evolution. And, um, you know, I, I heard a funny joke. This, uh, the, there was a zookeeper, right? And he came up to a, a cage and he saw a monkey in the cage, a chimpanzee in the cage, and he had two books. The chimpanzee was reading two books. And one book was Darwin's Origin of the Species, and the, and the other book was the Bible. And, and the zookeeper, he, he looks at the chimpanzee and he goes, hey, why are you reading those two books? And the, the chimpanzee says to him, well, I'm just trying to figure out if I'm my brother's keeper or if I'm my keeper's brother. And uh, I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, anyway, the joke is funny, but it's it's a serious issue because depending on whether we evolved or whether we're created by God uh, affects our view of reality, right? It affects uh, how we live. It affects the decisions we make. It affects our hope for the future. And so that's a really big deal. And uh, I have a guest this uh, this. Uh, this evening that's an expert on genetics his name is dr jeffrey tompkins he earned a master's degree in plant science in 1990 from the university of idaho he performed research in plant hormones he received his phd in genetics from clemson university in 1996 and while at clemson he worked as a research technician in a plant breeding genetics program with a research focus in the area of quantitative and physiological genetics in soybean after receiving his Ph.D., he worked at a genomics institute and became a faculty member in the Department of Genetics and Biochemistry at Clemson. And currently, he's with ICR, and uh, which is the Institute for Creation Research. They have tons of uh, great information on their website, icr.org. Uh, Dr. Tompkins, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, I wanted to start off just with asking you uh, – how did you get interested in genetics in the first place? And also, um, how, did, how did the study of genetics affect your belief about, about God? And, and did that have an impact on, uh, I, I know you're a Christian today, a Christian scientific creationist. Um, uh, can you answer that question? How did that affect your beliefs and so forth? Well, I got saved. I became a Christian uh, when I was getting my bachelor's degree. And it was about halfway through, and I had transferred to a, a major university. I did my first couple of years at a, a small local college, and then transferred to Washington State University and became a Christian. 
And immediately afterwards, I was being challenged by my biology classes and professors, uh, you know, with the the idea of evolution. And so I began researching uh, this area on myself as just a young Christian and an undergraduate student. And I went to the Christian bookstore, and the first book I got tried to reconcile evolution with the Bible. And it just didn't work. And and I'm you know I began reading uh, this book and how the author was trying to reconcile uh, evolutionary concepts and and things with the Bible, claiming that that God had somehow used these man-made ideas uh, to create things. And it just didn't quite work. But I understood you know the author was trying to to create some sort of an apologetic, but it just it just didn't make sense. So so and, quick question, Doctor Tompkins, when you say um, it didn't work. What are you referring to exactly? Uh, you, you meaning they just didn't meld together is what you're saying? Well, they're trying to reconcile long ages with days and, and, and different creation events, and it just, it, it just didn't make sense. It just didn't work. Everything overlapped and was convoluted, and it just... And you recognized that right away there as an undergraduate yeah, student? Yeah, as someone that wasn't even a, a professional at that point, I just recognized right away that, that what this guy was doing just didn't, didn't mesh. It just mm. didn't make sense. And so then I picked up a, a book by the original uh, Henry Morris that started the Institute for Creation Research called Scientific Creationism, and it made perfect sense. And and he covered all the different areas of geology and genetics and paleontology and the fossil record and everything. And it was everything he said was absolutely true. It was hardcore, real science, and and it completely meshed with the scriptures. Oh, that's a great point because a lot of people they think, hey, okay, so you're going to choose one or the other, and you're either going to place an emphasis on believing what the Bible says, and and you're going to have to kind of uh, ignore some of the science, or you're going to have to uh, place more of an emphasis on the science and ignore some of what the Bible says, uh, but but you don't you don't see that as the case. No, and I, I was raised in a family that, that was very evolutionary. My father was a research chemist, my mother was a school teacher, and they were both evolutionists, and I was indoctrinated in evolution uh, from a young child. So I didn't even grow up in a Christian home, per se. And but, and so I went into this whole thing completely, you know, without any... Bias, you weren't... You pre- weren't. Preconceptions yeah. or, or Christian biases like, like evolutionists try and claim. And, uh, and this book by Henry Morris was incredible, and it just... And never did I think at that point that I would actually end up working for them. <laughs> so that uh, this was some time ago. This was over 30 years ago. Yeah. But um, so, anyways, that just really resolved everything for me. So I continued on getting my bachelor's degree, and then I, I got a master's degree, and I didn't really get into genetics until my PhD program. And the first course that I had in genetics. I thought this is just awesome. This is <laughs> this is what I was made to do. This makes complete sense. I mean, I enjoyed studying uh, physiology and biochemistry and all that, but when I began getting into genetics, it, it was really my heartbeat, and everything just just seemed to make perfect sense. And I, I got straight A's in all my genetics and statistics courses and everything. And and I had, amazingly, I had a much easier time with that than, than my previous two degrees, uh, 
but I think, you know, the Lord was really working in yeah. my life at that point. And, now, uh, Dr. Tompkins, so uh, here you are, you're, you've gone through undergraduate, you're going through graduate school, you're loving genetics, you're loving anyth- everything about it. Um, did you come into conflict with your professors or your peers uh, as you're, you know, you are a Bible-believing creationist? Uh, how did that work out? Well, I maintained uh, pretty much a low profile. Okay. Uh, one thing that was really a blessing was that my Ph.D. Uh, major professor my advisor during my Ph.D. program was a strong Christian, a biblical creationist, and so there wasn't any direct conflict there uh, with my major professor. And so so that was kind of an interesting situation. My other uh, previous experiences had not been like that. So so I think God was just working in all of that to, to get me through my Ph.D. without a whole lot of grief uh, and trouble. But even the evolutionary professors I had were really quite uh, excited about my research, and uh, and I had no trouble uh, getting through my Ph.D. program. But I did maintain a fairly low profile with with the rest of the faculty. Okay. Yeah, now, but I wasn't really studying evolution per se. I was uh, studying uh, genotype by environment interactions and... And that didn't evolution just didn't come up that often as far as a, a topic to be discussed in that area. Not really, but the thing is, is that geneticists never really study evolution anyways directly. Uh, the one thing that I've discovered, uh, especially not only as a graduate student but as a faculty member, is that all the people that I worked with, not a single one of them, even if they claimed to be studying evolution per se, were never studying macro evolution. They were never studying something evolving into something else. They were just studying created variation with kind within kinds. Uh, hmm. That's, and so I had yeah. I had these massive grant projects with the National Science Foundation and I would interact with ecologists that were quote unquote famous evolutionists. But they were all only studying one particular type of creature. Uh, in fact one uh, one guy only studied a plant called Mimulus, mm. uh, which is a wild flowering plant uh that grows around North America. The other uh, guy I worked with was studying Aquilegia, which is, once again, just a single uh, a type of plant, a, a genus of, of plant yeah. species. And so, so they're very so focused. These guys were never really studying. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're evolution. saying. Yeah, so so this idea that these guys are, are studying evolution on a grand scale is complete nonsense. Mm. They're, they're, they're really not. They're just studying micro uh yeah, like yeah. Microevolution or just variation within kinds. My guest today is Dr. Jeff Tompkins, and we're having an interesting discussion about genetics, and especially how a lot of the, the scientific evidence now is pointing pointing towards a single woman that all the human race is descended from. Uh, could that be Eve? We'll be right back. Learn about what God is doing on the streets of Hillcrest. City on a Hill, San Diego, is an exciting ministry raising an army of people who love God in our city. Ryan Smith and his team take the time to talk with and know the people of the community, provide tracts and materials, and build Christian community. See the stories of lives being changed at cityonahillsandiego.com. Call for details, 619-354-2511. City on a Hill, San Diego, sharing faith, hope, and love. 
What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin. Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at AM 1170, com. My website is educateforlife.org. If you find this show interesting, you can get recordings of the show uh, on my website, as well as all past shows. You can also um, take classes on these kinds of subjects, genetics, uh, the fossil record, uh, all, all kinds of issues regarding uh, you know, dinosaurs, how do they fit into everything uh, in a biblical uh, framework. Uh, I teach apologetics at Christian High School out in El Cajon, and I also teach at San Diego Christian College. And um, today my guest is Dr. Jeff Tompkins. He's with ICR. He is a a geneticist. He has a Ph.D. in genetics and uh, has just a long history of studying these issues. And uh, he was just sharing with us something really interesting. Uh, Dr. Tompkins, you were saying that most scientists who eat geneticists actually don't study the idea of molecules to man evolution. They're, they're very focused on a particular um, organism, uh, per se. And I, I had this uh, same experience when my, we found out my daughter had cystic fibrosis. We were at the hospital, and we were talking to a geneticist because she was explaining to us cystic fibrosis on the chromosomes. And I... And she started talking about evolution, and I said, I said to her, how many positive mutations do you know of, beneficial mutations that, that will make a person get better and better and better through evolution? And she paused for a long time and then finally looked at me and said, you know, I don't know of any, but there must be some because how else would we evolve? And uh, I, I thought it was the strangest thing. You know, here's this geneticist, and she right. can't think of a single beneficial mutation. That's been your experience, too. Absolutely. Hmm. Really, really uh, interesting stuff. Um, so the guys that the guys that claim to study evolution on a grand sta- on a grand scale, they're they're just in the theoretical ballpark. They're not actually studying anything solid. It's just it's just all uh, um, speculation for the most part. And they do develop elaborate uh, statistical models and things like that. But it's still it's it's. They're not really studying anything experimentally that's actually occurring. It's, it's more of how could medical, yeah, yeah. How could this have happened versus right. we have evidence that this has happened? Okay. Yeah. So all of the evolutionists that I worked for in in my years, I I kind of provided the genomics uh, laboratory background and that kind of thing, and then they would provide the ecology side of things. But none of them were ever actually studying evolution on a grand scale they were just focused on one particular type of organism and and the and the genetic variation within that particular organism okay now um, when you said you were talking about your college experience and your graduate work and so forth you said you just fell in love with genetics it was uh, you got a's on everything because you you just were so passionate about it when you say that are you talking specifically about the science that's involved in genetics or are you talking about how much it confirmed uh your biblical worldview? Uh, both. Uh, the science is absolutely fascinating and interesting. Uh, genetics, genomics, uh, molecular genetics, it all just absolutely fascinated me. And it all spoke of incredible intelligent design. 
So, right, yeah. so has there been a lot of discoveries from the time of when you were in graduate school till today? Has there been a, a, a massive increase in understanding of genetics since then? How, how's that developed? Oh, the the genomics revolution has has snowballed. It's it's absolutely incredible. Uh, basically, uh, most of the essential you know biochemistries of, of molecular biology have been ramped up. Uh, with with automation, with robotics, uh, with increased computational power, and of course, there's been a lot of new technologies that have been developed. A lot of them are very exciting. They relate to a field called functional uh, genomics, or how the genome functions and is structured functionally. And this is a lot of this has to do with the area uh, of ENCODE research that, that you hear about so much in the news. Uh, that evolutionists are so up in arms over because it's revealing such unimaginable complexity in the human genome and the other genomes that that go along with it. So, and and just for our listeners out there who aren't familiar with this, why would why would the complexity within the the genome um, upset evolutionists? Well, in the genomics revolution, it started really in the 1990s uh, by sequencing genomes and. The first draft of the human genome was finished in 2001 and then a more complete draft in 2004, but they had basically generated all of this sequence but knew very little about it, knew very little about what it all did. And then they started this this project called the Encyclopedia of DNA Elements, and it just receives billions of dollars of funding now every year uh, in major major genomics labs across the country, and of course the entire world actually is involved in this. There's labs in Europe and Japan and so forth and mm. China that are involved. Um, but the complexity is just off the charts, and that just <laughs> Un- presents unbelievable. It's it. In fact, our statistical models now and the algorithms that we have and the, the capacities that we have to analyze this data are really being stretched to the point where we things are so complex we can't even analyze it all. Really. <laughs> That's crazy, huh? Wow. So, and of course, the problem there is that uh, evolution has to, you know, has the has the presupposition that all of this came about by chance with no guiding intelligence or purpose, and therefore, the more complex it gets, the more difficult it is to believe that this is absent a designer. Is is what you're saying, right? It's absolutely true, and in fact, there's a lot of people in the uh, in the ENCODE community, a lot of them are involved in biomedical genetics because that's where most of the money is going because we want to cure uh, different kinds of, of human diseases uh, that, that cause different kinds of problems. And a lot of these guys uh, know that, that the genome is intelligently designed, and uh, but they're just afraid to speak up. And, uh, and of course, their data just speaks for itself anyway. They don't even really have to say it in all these these papers because every new paper that comes out just screams intelligent design and, and that this is so complex that, that our, our human minds can't even wrap themselves around it at this point. And it's not getting uh, any less complex. Yeah, it's it's becoming more of a problem, not less of a problem. Right, and it's becoming a problem because we don't know how to, to incorporate all these different types of data sets. In fact, there's a study that came out recently where they tried to combine data from the three-dimensional structure of the human genome with gene expression and then try and correlate that data within time because your body has uh, clocks within it that, that run things on, on an internal clock. 
and, and genes are turned off and on according to these internal clocks. And they tried to incorporate all this three-dimensional data with this clock data and this, this genome-wide gene expression data, and, and it was just they were just stretching the limits of statistics and, and, the, and the capacity to even develop something that would make sense to the human mind to present in a paper. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, huh? That's amazing. You know, um, <clears throat> I really want to talk about this issue with Adam and Eve. I, I was looking into the news on this, and uh, I guess one of the largest ever genetic study of a single population was recently done. Um, <clears throat> you're probably familiar with this. Decode Genetics uh, is the company, I guess, that was uh, fronting this or, or heading this up. And, um, you know, they're arguing... They're even talking about genetic Adam and genetic Eve in here, but they're saying they lived 100,000 um, years ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're saying we used to think it was 250,000 years ago this this uh, genetic Adam lived, but now we think it's about 100,000 years ago. And they're also talking about mitochondrial Eve. You know, these are not these are not Christians uh, talking about this, but they're referencing Adam. They're referencing Eve. And I'm just curious, really curious to know from your perspective what you're seeing um, in this and how <clears throat> you interpret. I know ICR recently came out with an article talking about mitochondrial Eve and so forth. And uh, when we come back, my guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Tompkins with ICR.org. I encourage you to go visit their site. They have hundreds and hundreds, uh, if not thousands of articles on science and how science confirms the truth of the Bible. And why is this important? Well, it's important because if Adam and Eve were real people and the Bible talks about Adam and Eve and science is demonstrating that this, this is real history, this isn't uh, some mythical tale, then when the Bible teaches us other things about uh, how to deal with the problems we have in life, how to deal with uh, our struggles, how to deal with death, uh, what is the purpose of life? Where where can we find uh, fulfillment in life? When it teaches us that the the uh, solution to all of life's problems and ultimately to death is Jesus Christ, well, uh, that raises our our confidence in the truth of those claims when we see that, yes, Adam and Eve were real people, that genetics is confirming the truth of Adam and Eve. We're going to be right back. Again, my, my guest is Dr. Jeffrey Tompkins. He is a uh, PhD geneticist, been studying this kind of stuff for, uh, what, how many years have you been uh, studying this, Dr. Tompkins? Well, I graduated with my PhD in genetics in 1996. Uh, I started uh, about five years before that. So okay, so... In the, just strictly in the field of genetics. Before that, I was, I was primarily involved in physiology and biochemistry. Okay, so almost 30 years here. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah. we'll be right back with Dr. Jeff Tompkins. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. 
Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m., Pacific Standard Time. And you can also stream the show all around the world on am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org, and you can get recordings of the shows. Our guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Tompkins, a, uh, has a Ph.D. in genetics, and we're discussing the credibility of a literal Adam and Eve in, uh, in the Bible. Does uh, genetics prove that there were, was an Adam and Eve? And uh, can you speak to that, the findings regarding that? How, how do you even... How does genetics even give us any evidence of Eve? That that seems, uh, you know, for the average layperson, that that's very confusing. How does that work out? Well, everyone has has essentially two different genomes. You have all of the chromosomes in the nucleus uh, that you inherit uh, from both your mother and your father. Then outside the nucleus, in in the cytoplasm, uh, there is a an organelle uh, called the mitochondria, which actually has a circular bit of DNA in it. And, uh, of course, it's much smaller compared to the size of your your nuclear genome. But anyways, this this mitochondrial DNA is inherited from your mother. So it's nice because we can trace back uh, inheritance through the mitochondrial DNA uh, much more easily without, uh, you know, a lot of noise like, like it. It takes going through uh, your nuclear genome where you have, you know, genomes coming from both of your parents uh, whose genomes come from both of their parents and so on. So they've been able to study the variation in the mitochondrial uh, genome and then apply different models to that uh, back into time. And what's interesting is that there was a paper published in the late 1990s where they actually ascribed uh, the origin of this genome to uh, only, uh, if I remember correctly, only about five to 7,000 uh, years ago. Wow. And uh, this was actually published in a major journal, and it, it just really caused uh, the community to freak out. Uh, they didn't apply the typical evolutionary time frames to calibrating their data, and so they came up with this young age and so it's interesting. Of course, we've had many papers published since then that, that claim much older ages. But still, uh, you know, even 100,000 years is, is on the evolutionary time scale, just a, a blip, yeah, know, a, a millisecond uh, of time anyways. But really, a lot of these older time frames that are 100,000, 200,000 years old, they apply a lot of the caveats to, to calculating these. Uh, they calibrate their models with, with with deep time. So they're they're kind of forcing uh, the evidence or the data into a paradigm or into a particular perspective, rather than letting the data speak for itself. That's correct. What's really interesting is that there were two studies that were published in 2012, and I've reported on this on our website. People can look this up. But two separate studies where they looked at the variation uh, in the nuclear genome. Uh, inside protein coding genes, they look. They call this the exome. So these are just the protein coding regions of the human genome, which tend to be tend to be very stable. There's not much variability in these regions because if there was, it would you know mess up the proteins and cause all sorts of uh, diseases and problems. 
And so they just studied these human exome regions at two different studies, and they studied thousands of different people across North America and looked at the variation in these protein coding regions of the nuclear DNA in, in your main chromosomes. And both studies came up with a timeline of not more than 5,000 to 10,000 years ago uh, for the origin of this nuclear DNA variation. And so what happened about 5,000 years ago? Well, we know the, the flood happened 5,000 years ago, and the Earth was repopulated through Noah and his, his family. Mm-hmm. And so this data matches perfectly with the biblical time frame of a great flood and the Earth being uh, repopulated through the genetics of Noah and his family. In fact, one paper said not more than 5,000 years ago. And, and that's a secular journal? or These were secular papers. One of them uh, was in science, if I'm not mistaken. I think the other might have been in nature. Uh, now, I'd have to go back and double check. But I've actually wrote uh, news articles on, on these papers. You can find them on our website. And that is icr.org, is that correct? Yes, yep. that, that is correct. And, and I actually also published a short paper in a journal called the Journal of Creation Science uh, on this whole issue of human origins and a short time frame on the genetic clock. Now, I, just, just for clarification on this, Dr. Tompkins, um, just for our audience who, who, you know, generally is not going to be specialized in genetics or how that works. But when you say, OK, we can only go back this far in time. Um, or, you know, maximum age, let's say, is 5,000 years, and we know this from genetics, what you're saying is that the amount of diversity that we see within the human genome um, would take... protein, yeah, in these protein-coding regions that that basically tolerate very little variability. And so so what's really interesting is that these papers did not use these deep-time calibrations. They did Mm. not, you know, manipulate the the data to fit within, uh, you know, these deep time constraints. They just basically use demographics, which is the study of human populations over time and how they grow. And they applied known uh, demographic models of human population growth to the data. That was it. And they came up with about a 5,000 to 10,000 year timeline at the start of this human variation, which fits perfectly with the, the biblical global flood. Now, yeah, lo- so that, yeah, that's what's really cool about these papers is that they did not apply all of this hypothetical, you know, evolutionary, you know, constraint to the models. They just let let the data speak for itself. And in papers where they do that, the molecular genetic clocks clocks uh, totally fit with a biblical time frame. So once again, science is totally fitting within what the Bible uh, says about uh, the history of the Earth. Now. Along those same lines, I have um, I've read uh, several times where they're saying that I can't remember whether it's women evolve faster than men or men evolve faster than women. Uh, and you're probably familiar with this. And um, have you heard of this? What I'm talking about the the, the genome they say has um, uh, evolved faster one than the other, one sex than the other. Well, you know, males have a Y chromosome and, and females don't. Females have two X chromosomes. One of them is is largely deactivated, and so when they when they talk about this, they're probably talking about the variation within the Y chromosome. Okay, because I because I heard that um, you know Noah had his three sons, and so they were all had the same uh, you know they were descendants of Noah, but their wives uh, you know would have had a different. Um, 
a different genetics because they weren't related. Uh, and I've heard somewhere along the lines that has affected uh, the, the genome differently from men and women because of that, that relationship. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I only know it very loosely. <clears throat> well, you know, when you're talking about the male versus the female genome, you're really just talking about the Y chromosome, which, okay. is, pretty, which is pretty small. You know, when you when you your genome comes from both your mother and your father, so all of your autosomes, your non-sex chromosomes, which comprise the majority of your genome, come from both of your parents. So, okay, so you know, uh, my guest today is Dr. Jeff Tompkins, and um, we're having a, a great discussion about genetics and how genetics actually proves the Bible. And um, when we come back, what I want to ask Dr. Tompkins is, so how do evolutionists respond to this? How do, uh, as, as this is becoming more and more clear, as we're getting a better and better understanding of genetics, as it's becoming more and more complex, um, how do those who have embraced the evolutionary worldview uh, from a scientific perspective, how do they respond to this? What would they say if I had uh, an evolutionist on the air today? When we come back, uh, Dr. Jeff Tompkins will be... Um, uh, continuing to talk about this issue. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family-owned, Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Main and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Not all home inspections are created equal. Joe DeMars and his team at Housemaster have performed inspections in San Diego for 22 years plus and performed over 10,000 inspections for commercial, multiple family, apartments, and residential. Call before you buy or sell. You'll have confidence knowing the true condition of the property. Call 619-660-7866, sandiego.housemaster.com. Home inspections, done right, guaranteed. 619-660-7866. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can stream the show all over the world at am1170theanswer.com. And my website is educateforlife.org. My guest today is from ICR, the Institute for Creation Research. Uh, their website is icr.org, Dr. Jeff Tompkins. And um, Dr. Tompkins, you know, uh, there is a group out there uh, that was, I believe, started or or uh, co-started with uh, Francis Collins. Uh, many Christians are familiar with him. Uh, he started a organization called BioLogos, and he says that God used evolution to create. And he's also, he was one of the guys that uh, was very much involved with the human genome project, mapping the human genome, um, how would he respond, uh, as far as you know, how would he respond to what you're saying, you know, what you're sharing with us uh, on the radio here today? Well, what's interesting is that the BioLogos uh, website, which is the organization he started, 
uh, he originally started. I think it's in it's in different uh, managerial hands now. But really, there's no difference between their website and the, the you know the Evolution website at, at Berkeley. I mean, there's there's basically no difference other than they claim that, that God somehow used all of this nonsense, which is just human speculation. Uh, there's no factual data for any of this for any anything that has to do with biological evolution. So and uh, you know the, way, the the approach you took to to the the geneticist you worked with, uh, you asked her or him, uh, you know, name one positive mutation that would have enabled uh, evolution, and they couldn't. And, and that's the thing. There's no mechanism for evolution uh, to occur. There is no valid mechanism for it to occur. Our genomes are not getting better. They're not evolving. In fact, the studies that I mentioned uh, earlier before the break where they looked at the variation in the protein coding regions of the human genome and determined that that variation only started about 5,000 years ago, over 80% of that variation was associated with heritable disease. So most of that variation or those mutations that has occurred since uh, Noah's family that provided the genetics to repopulate the earth has been negative. It has not been positive. In uh, humans right now are carrying an incredible, uh, what we call as geneticists, a genetic load, which means a genetic burden of mutations. That's why you cannot marry uh, a close relative uh, without seeing repercussions uh, develop. And so uh, we know that back in the Bible, uh, Abraham married his half-sister, uh, but you can't. Uh, and then later on in, in Exodus, that was forbidden because of the, the genetic uh, problems that would result from marrying someone that was related to you. And so everything in the Bible has a has a, a biological and scientific reason for it. Even things in the in the, the Ten Commandments or, or in the law that we see, there's biological and basic scientific practical reasons behind much of it now. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know what uh, I you know, you can only ask these people the, the, these basic questions, get them out of their, their, their theoretical nonsense, and ask them practical questions, and anyone can do it, mm. you know, like you did. Name a, name a mutation that is positive. They can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not that difficult. You don't have to be a geneticist or a genius to really uh, attack these fake paradigms that really have no solid support for them. Yeah, you just got to ask good questions. And and why Francis Collins uh, continues to do this, despite the fact that he is fully aware of what's going on with the ENCODE project and the uh, incredible complexity associated with it uh, and all the other discoveries, I don't know. That's a question to ask him. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll see if I can get him on the show, and then I'll bring you back on, and you guys can have a discussion. Sure. And uh, <laughs> why, why, you know, I don't know if he's debated uh, anyone that, it would have an opposing view or not, uh, but uh, yeah, it would be interesting to hear. I'd be very, yeah. very curious to know, um, especially because. Um, but I do know that a lot of people who, uh, who at one point in time were atheistic evolutionists, who then become Bible believing Christians, sometimes pull their, pull their uh, paradigm, their scientific paradigm with them. Um, I know Dr. Job Martin, he had been a Christian for, I believe it was somewhere around five years before, as an evolutionist, before he finally said, you know what, I, I got to flip my paradigm here. I've, I've been looking at things wrong um, and then became a creationist. Um, well, when I, yeah, when I first approached this whole thing, I had just become a Christian. I was raised uh, as an evolutionist and and just said, you know, whatever the data says, whatever 
whatever I discover, uh, that's great. I'm going to have an open mind about this. And, and clearly the scientific data completely lined up with Scripture. So I, I don't know what to say. I, I wasn't raised in a, in a Christian home or with a, a Christian fundamentalist viewpoint or anything like that. I just went with, with where things made sense. Yeah. Hmm. That's very interesting. And, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and so and I, I have a lot of friends that were raised in Christian homes and, and became scientists as well, so I can't speak for them. Now, um, do you think that the... Do you think that as this information is becoming more and more um, available and we're learning more and more about the genome, do you think that there's going to be a trend um, uh, away from evol- uh, evolutionary thinking, or do you think that's going to um, increase? What, what, is, what is your view about that? Well, actually, there's a big war uh, among the scientific community. There's a small cadre of traditional hypothetical evolutionists that are lashing out uh, at all the ENCODE researchers, and it's in the press all the time. And these guys uh, publish papers with, with really crazy names uh, to their papers to attract attention. But it's just a small group of traditional hypothetical evolutionists, and they're lashing out against literally hundreds of these ENCODE scientists all over the world uh, with, with huge labs and tons of funding. And, these, and the discoveries these guys are making are just trashing evolution. And so there is this massive war uh, that's been going on in the scientific literature, uh, and it's it, it's been in the scientific news, not so much in the mainstream media media news, but it's it's been in the scientific news, and uh, it's really incredible to watch this uh, this war kind of develop among these these people. But clearly, the ENCODE people uh, are destroying evolution with their hardcore scientific data. Yeah, and and the traditional evolutionist guys, and there's there's kind of a handful of very vocal ones are just uh, freaking out about it and and really causing quite a stir. Hmm. Yeah, I um, I recently read a book by Dr. John Sanford on uh, genetic entropy, kind of what you were talking about regarding the genetic load, and um, I thought it was very interesting how he was talking about. Uh, that based on the amount of mutations that are accumulating within the human genome, there's no way we could have existed for hundreds of thousands of years as people because we would have gone extinct because of the amount of mutations that are accumulating. Um, Are you familiar with that? Uh, I'm sure you are. Yes, I actually cite uh, uh, Sanford's work uh, in in my papers, and uh, I am familiar with that. And it's Absolutely true. That's based on uh, genetic modeling. Yeah. My guest today is Dr. Dr. Jeff Tompkins, and um, we're going to be right back. We're going to finish off our discussion. There's some really, uh, you know, there's this, when we look at the data here, the, the facts are the facts, but then what you do with those facts uh, is very important because uh, they're going to affect your life, right? Uh, if it's true that we can trace uh, the mitochondrial DNA uh, back to a single woman, uh, if it's true that we can't go back beyond 6,000 years and we see that the 
biblical timeframes as recorded in the Bible are accurate, what does that mean for our lives as we make decisions from here on out? Uh, it's very significant, and uh, we all have to think deeply about these things, where we came from, what our purpose is, and where we're going. Uh, big questions, important questions, and we all want to make informed, well-educated decisions about those. We'll be right back. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at expressfixcoffee.com. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Main and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. And my website is educateforlife.org. And you know, this show, the the whole purpose of the show, why I even do this show, is because I want people to uh, think more deeply about the issues. I I want people to um, understand that the Bible is credible, that it's worth trusting. from a, from a logic perspective, from a historical perspective, from a scientific perspective, uh, it's a big deal. And uh, there is no book like the Bible. It's incredible. I've had all kinds of guests on the on the show. Uh, I've had archaeologists on the show. I've had uh, paleontologists, cosmologists. Uh, last week we had a messianic rabbi on the show. And um, Dr. Tompkins, you know what I find really interesting is that you know there's all this stuff going on in the world right now with uh, Iran and the, the the deal that's being made there with the U.S. and and the the a lot of what looks like prophecy that's in the Bible coming true. And when we study the Bible from a genetics perspective, what's really interesting to me is. According to Dr. Sanford's book, uh, by the way, Dr. Sanford is a uh, also a geneticist. He's a Cornell University or, or was a Cornell University professor um, who was heavily impacted by his discoveries in genetics that uh, caused him to become a biblical creationist uh, after being an atheist and an evolutionist. And what I thought was really interesting about what he found was that the human race is actually facing um, a potential like extinction event because of the amount of uh, mutations that are accumulating in the human body. Can you speak to that? Is that uh, in your in your studies, is that the case? Well, in biomedical studies, that's definitely the case. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, in, in studying just the protein coding regions of the human genome and thousands of people uh, across uh, North America and the world, uh, they've discovered that over 80% of these changes or this variation is harmful. It's associated with one 
type of hereditary uh, disease or another or health condition or another. So, yes. Now, would uh, that, I'll, would that, um, you know, I've, I've heard people say this, you know, uh, and I don't know what to think of this. I haven't done re- research on it, but they're, they're saying, oh, we're, we're seeing more diseases. We're seeing more cancer. We're seeing more uh, health problems. We're seeing more health problems in kids, more cancer in kids. Now I haven't done any statistical studies. I haven't looked into that. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, well, anic- there was a paper. Yeah, yeah. There was a paper just published a few weeks ago on the in- increase in chronic health problems of humans. And it was a statistically sound paper, uh, showing that it's, it is increasing. And, you know, a certain amount of that can be contributed, I'm sure to environmental, toxins and things like that. But, uh, you know, a certain amount has to be genetic as well. And we know that that human genetics is not evolving. It's getting worse. You know, we're accumulating more uh, harmful or near harmful mutations. uh, And who knows if a mutation can even be neutral uh, at this point. Yeah. Now, now there are mechanisms in the genome uh, that are designed mechanisms that do create a good variation, like your immune system, is based on that kind of a system. And uh, so there are mechanisms that God put into the the genome for variability that's good, uh, but it, you know, it doesn't mess with important areas like protein coding regions of genes, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't cause defects and things like that. It, it, it creates variability, just like we see so many different types of humans with. In different ethnic groups and things like that. So, okay. Yeah. So there is a you know there are mechanisms that that are like what you would call designed uh, variability that that do exist, but oh. they don't they don't result in a loss of information. They don't corrupt uh, information. Okay. So if you think of the genome as as a computer system, uh, you know there's there's certain you cannot corrupt that information or you'll you'll end up with all sorts of failures. So so the human genome is definitely not evolving and getting better and generating new useful information. It's it's actually over time has been uh, degrading and that's what all the research is showing and and it lines up perfectly with John Sanford's uh, modeling research on the degradation of the human genome. Mm. When I uh that same geneticist I was talking to um I asked her uh this I said to her, hey, what would happen? Because she was saying, she said, she told me um, when she was explaining that my daughter cystic fibrosis, she goes, everybody has thousands of mutations in their body. And she goes, we all have them. Your daughter's just happened to manifest itself because she had uh, similar mutations on the chromosomes. And I said to her, hey, what would happen if you had a person who had zero mutations in their body? Like, what would that person, would they be like really healthy? And she looked at me and she goes, I've never had anybody ask me this question before. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, you know what I'm thinking here? I'm thinking, well, when God made everybody, uh, when he made Adam and Eve, they, they were perfect, right? Everything was very good. Right. So, so she goes, she, I said, so would they be very healthy? And she goes, well, yeah, probably. They probably would be really healthy. <laughs> right. I thought that was so funny too, you know? Well, what's interesting is that we, when we look at human lifespans, we we see that they basically decrease in accord with uh, a, a decrease in, in genetic information, or, or I'm sorry, human lifespans decrease as, as genetic information becomes corrupted over time. 
And actually, Sanford did publish a paper on this uh, recently where he, he plotted all this out and showed how human lifespans have basically uh, decreased within the biblical time frame uh, in accordance with uh, the corruption of the human genome, and which makes perfect sense. You know, when Adam and Eve uh, were first created, and for several thousand years thereafter, people would live very long ages. Mm. And then... And then after uh, you know after the flood, then lifespans began declining rapidly. Yeah, yeah, and I saw and that. So in... now we only live you know seventy or eighty years, and and who knows with 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 all these recent reports on all these these chronic uh, health conditions that are on the rise across the world, you know that that may be going down. Yeah, so I. You know, for all our listeners out there, I, I want to, again, refer you to Dr. Tompkins' website, icr.org. That's who he works for, the Institute for Creation Research. They have thousands of articles if you want to look into the science behind it. Um, Dr. Tompkins, uh, you know, as people hear the scientific evidence for the Bible, um, have you seen a lot of people impacted by that and turn their lives over to Christ because they see how much the Bible is confirmed by science? Absolutely. In fact, I've met a guy that, that came to one of our outreach events uh, at a local church that had had not been a Christian, and, and actually he was rather late in life. He was in his 50s. And because of, of the information we presented, uh, he gave his life to, to Christ. And I've actually been meeting with this guy kind of, you know, somewhat regularly since then. And he's a very intelligent guy. He was has been a computer programmer for 30 years, and so he understands information systems, so to speak. And it, it just totally, radically altered his life. And he said, I've never never heard any of this presented before. And he said, in fact, I was, uh, I was a hardcore atheist at one point, and I would go to atheist uh, meetings. And he said, you know, the one thing that just really turned me off about these, these atheists at these meetings was that they were so arrogant. I mean, he said they were, but they never really presented any evidence for what they believed. They were just arrogant. Yeah. And uh, and he said, I went to this outreach, and I, I can't remember who was speaking at it. We had a number of our scientists who were speaking at this. And uh, and he gave his life to Christ because of the information that we presented. And he said, I've never heard this before. This just changed everything for me. And then this was a guy that had lived most of his life uh, away from God. And uh, and didn't come to Christ until he was in his fifties. So that's awesome. That's a great testimony. Well, Doctor Tompkins, I want to thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. And I'm going to continue to refer people to your website. And listen, um, I don't expect you to believe what we're talking about here on the radio blindly. I expect you to, or I, I'm hoping, and I encourage you to look at the evidence for yourself, examine it and come to a good conclusion. Uh, try to put your bias away as much as possible. And uh, the more I look into this, the more I see that uh, the Bible speaks truth. And uh, I hope that this show encourages you, to, encourages you to love God more, love people more, and trust the Bible more. Have a fantastic evening. We'll see you next week, 4 to 5 p.m. on AM 1170, The Answer. God bless you.
Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a regular feature on AM 1170, The Answer. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, exclusively on AM 1170. The answer. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? 